0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and
1: let's get to cause it's play the the time, baby. Rip City is jumpin' okay, now. up the oh. 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 Hey. Oh. Come on, everybody!
0: All right, everybody, welcome to the 124th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage chilling in a. I guess Rip City, I don't know what you'd call Beaverton, Oregon, but I guess Rip City expands to just past, you know, Portland proper. Rip City goes all the way onto the suburbs. Hell yeah. Okay. Rip City,
0: Rip City is everywhere.
1: <laughs> well, then I'm broadcasting from Rip City, but, you know, the Asian district of Rip City.
0: <laughs> Do we have one of those?
1: Duh. Nah. <laughs> I don't want to shit on, uh, you know, whatever. She doesn't listen. My aunt visited me a few weeks ago and was like, there's nothing but Asian people in your complex. Like, yeah. Like, that's kind of why I decided to move here. <laughs> anyway, broadcasting live out of the Asian district of Portland, Oregon. <laughs> this is this has to be a difficult day for you, bro. Well,
0: I think it is for, for every fan of, of the Trailblazers and, and the Seahawks. Uh, you're looking at an owner who was just 65 years old. So that's really, really young. That's so. Sell. It's so cliche to say that, you know, life is short or, you know, to, to not take anything for granted. But when moments and events take place, like what we witnessed this afternoon, it, it only rings true that much louder And for the Blazers, Portland in general is a small town in comparison to all of the other major media outlets out there in the United States. And, you know, we hold the Blazers near and dear to our hearts. And we always have that us against the world mentality. You know, the refs are always out to get us. Uh, Nothing ever goes our way. Um, we have that big chip on our shoulder. We got to prove everyone, everyone wrong. You know, when it comes to the Blazers, we really all have that Wes Matthews kind of mentality. Just that that never-say-die attitude. And, you know, Paul Allen was a huge reason for that to take place. He bought the team back in 1988. I mean, he was 35 years old when he purchased the franchise and I I believe I read somewhere he purchased it for something like seventy-five million dollars, um, which is approximately I think 150 million today. And I think at last value, it's over one billion. So, you know, talk about a, a great investment. And Paul was the the type of owner who really treated the Blazers like a hobby. He didn't treat it like a business. He, he really didn't care if he made money, how much he spent on salaries. Uh, he was in it to win it, you know, literally. And, you know, there were times when we really thought we were going to get it done. You know, you have the early 90s run from 90 to 92. You have back-to-back conference finals appearances in 99 and 2000. Um, especially that that 2000 team, he literally tried to do whatever he could in his own legal powers to get Portland a team taking on Scottie Pippen's massive contract uh, to be that final piece of the puzzle, you know, really going out and just, just shelling out the the bucks to do anything within the salary cap to, to, to get Portland over that hump. You know, unfortunately Portland never did, but he never enjoyed it any less. Uh, There was something to be said about having an owner who was, who was a fan himself? you know from every GM we've had, you know we can look back at how the Kevin Pritchard situation was handled. nobody really knows the the backstory there or Rich Cho and you know when we had a carousel of GMs but every GM who has ever worked with Paul really said that he loved the draft and he always. Was someone who would who would just check in. He he let the he let management do their job, but he checked in and he was you know always curious as to what was going on. And you know when you're a fan, draft night became must see TV for the Trailblazers because we could go in with no pick and leave with three, while other owners were out there selling picks, trying to make a buck, trying to you know hit that bottom line. He was going out there spending three million dollars, not just for first round picks sometimes, but for second round picks just to give his GM even more assets to to go out and compete with, with the rest of the you know the heavy hitters in the league. And as a fan, you just can't take that for granted because not all owners are like that. Some really like to pinch pennies. Um you look at the Blazers, even when Lamarcus left, we put together basically a ragtag bunch paired together with Damon CJ and they kind of shocked the NBA and they made it to the second round of the playoffs. I know we all have not mixed emotions, but um, a bad taste in our mouth from that summer of 2016. But Portland had max money and they had a lot of free agents. And, you know, for better or worse, Paul Allen was one of the guys who said, we need to bring back Alan Crabb. I don't care what it costs. He was all in on that roster because he wanted to win. And you can look back and in hindsight is obviously 2020, but I would rather have an owner who's ready to go all in rather than someone who is going to say, Ooh, that's going to cost me too much. I don't want to go in the luxury tax. I don't want to pay, you know, an extra million for, you know, every million I spend, you know, it's basically dollar for dollar you owe in luxury tax once you hit that threshold. And if the team was contending money was no object. And that throughout sports, not just the NBA, that's not always the option. That's not always the case. So did I always agree with every decision he made? No, was he perfect? Far from it. no I mean no one no one is no one is perfect. He was a very philanthropical man. He did a lot of good for the community and was one of the best owners that we had. Um, so i I feel fortunate to have been a fan during his his era. I mean, I tweeted, he, he's the only owner that that I've known, you know, this is uncharted territory for me as a trailblazers fan. You know, you watch all these old videos and he's there. He, he's there shaking Clyde's hand. He's there, you know, shaking Scotty's hand. He's there shaking Dame's hand. Like he has been, you know, that there have been few, few constants in in, in Rip city, you know, Bill Sean obviously, um, but Paul Allen ha- has been there over this thirty-year run, and you know I I was a fan in 1990. That's when I you know I was five years old. So he was in his second year of owning the team, and you know it, it's just he's always just been there, and just to see it come out of nowhere because in '09 you know we heard that the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma um, he was treat he was you know diagnosed w- with that. He beat it, and then just two weeks ago, came back, and he's, he's like, I'm in good spirits. And this just kind of, you know, death sometimes happens, and you can see it coming a mile away. And it's a lot easier to take because you've been bracing yourselves for it. But when it just comes and kind of sideswipes you and catches you off guard, it took me a good hour just to even get my bearings straight. You know, I was w- working from home today, that happened and I'll be completely honest, like that's all I could focus on. You know, I was reading everyone's stories, seeing all the player tweets, um trying to process my own emotions, you know, selfishly thinking also, you know, what's going to happen uh to the team. Uh eerily enough, Olga asked me the other day, you know, what what does happen if something does happen to Paul? Um you know, I just didn't have an answer. You know, I Obviously, I think the team goes to his his sister, Judy, at the moment. But no wife, no kids. Um, Sports Business Radio uh, tweeted out earlier th- this afternoon that plans have been in place for a while. I mean, obviously, once you're diagnosed with something nine years ago, um, you're going to have a plan in place. So we don't really know what that is. But the rumor is that his sister really has no interest in owning... Um, a sports franchise, so it'll probably be sold from his estate. And um you know, I I think Blazer fans are freaking out. It, It may be rightfully so, because there there have always been rumors. Again, and this goes back to that chip on your shoulder mentality, that, you know, that little brother mentality in a sense like, you know, Seattle's always the you know big brother looking down over us and they've got the Seahawks and they've got the Mariners. And, you know, they had the Sonics and they're looking for a team and it, and it looked like for a minute that the Blazers might move out of Portland um, earlier in this millennium. But, you know, all for not, not nothing came of it. But they're still Portland and Blazer maniacs always have this sense of paranoia surrounding them, whether that's with a trade, whether that's, you know, they think, you know, you're up 20 with seven minutes left of so something still bad going to happen. you know, we're kind of bred and born with that sense of paranoia just because of all the all the shit we've seen throughout the years and the franchise moving is no different um personally i think it is highly unlikely the blazers ever move i think the nba really learned their lesson once the the sonics move yep. you know, the backlash that they felt
1: and so uh, this day they still feel that backlash it's not like it's ever gonna go away you know until the still- sonics have a team
0: And the Sacramento Kings were, I mean, on the verge of bankruptcy. And the NBA did whatever they could to keep it in Sacramento.
1: I mean, shit. You can look at New Orleans, like, as a fan of the Hornets for so long. Like, I dealt with the fact that, you know, there was a chance that they, they would move. So I always had that, like, nervousness. Like, oh, shit. If we don't reach this benchmark of, you know, attendance, we could leave, you know. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the storm came that we could lose our team. So there's always that, that huge, you know, nervousness, like, Oh man, if Chris Paul leaves, we're going to have no one and this team's going to go to Seattle or so that, that fear, you know, that, you know, the, the shakeup is happening is definitely f- fair, but like, you know that there's an action taking place to keep this team in Portland right now. the The thing is, like, Blazers are very secretive of like what's happening with the franchise. They only trust certain news outlets to speak the truth. So we as fans and we as like fan, you know, broadcasters don't have that inside scoop. Uh, with the Tom Benson thing, we knew we knew that what was gonna happen was he's gonna give it to his wife and she was gonna run it. With this. They probably have the plan in place, but they just haven't at like broken the news. Like, what would happen? So, everybody's mind is just like, worst, you know, the worst thing possible. When, like, I'm going to guess that everything is going to stay status quo until more information is out. But I get, I get the, the worriedness. Like, what if we lose this team? I just don't think it's happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at what what is the recipe for uh, a relocation? One franchise worth. Portland is, I believe, as of 2016, I think they rank 14th or 15th at over a billion dollars in franchise. So it's a healthy franchise. You look at Stadium. Uh, there has been a lot of renovations um, and revamps to the Rose Garden over the years, uh, as recently as 2013-2014. Nothing wrong there. You look at attendance. Portland is always up at the top in attendance, regardless of what team that they field. And you also look at location. If the NBA were to move away from from Portland, you have no market in the Pacific Northwest or Vancouver, B.C. I mean, you're looking at Sacramento as your most Northwest team. And Minneapolis, Salt Lake City as maybe the most West um, above California. So it doesn't make any sense. And also you have to remember that you have, for someone to to move a team, they have to one, buy, buy the team. They have to pay at least 100 hundred to $125 million relocation fee. You have to have the commissioner sign off on it. You have to have a majority of owners vote as well. To me, Portland is not competing for any other geographical market. I mean, if you put them in, say, a Vegas, then you got, oh, Salt Lake City is going to have to compete with them. The Lakers going to have to compete with them. Phoenix is going to have to compete with them. Right now, Portland's in this pocket not competing with anyone. We're just minding our own damn business.
1: Mm-hmm. And end- your well-thought-out plans and ideas, you know, people aren't really thinking that way right now. Yeah. Oh, the owner of the team for the last... Deca- two decades died, really, su- three decades died suddenly. People aren't thinking logically. They're thinking on emotions and, like, worst possible deal, man. So, yeah, I think all of those things are very valid. But, yo, this is an emotional time for Rip City. Like, the, the season opener is literally in two days. So, like, everybody's mind's racing, and... You know, human nature—you go to the worst possible thing, Doug. That is human nature. I mean,
0: we we are all guilty of that. I don't know why that happens, but we all—we always think for the worst. But I again, I would be—and I'm—I'm a—I will say I'm a trailblazer's pessimist. I've seen a lot of shit. I've been burnt a lot of times with this team. I would be very, very, very surprised if the team was to move. No. I, I just. Don't think it happens. Oh, and by the way, there's the the stadium is signed through the city.
1: Um what's that they lease just, like? They've a lease through twenty twenty five. See. Um uh twenty twenty twelve was like the 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 time in New Orleans fans like, oh shit, this lease is running out soon. This shit. But like the fact that the Blazers have it signed for another dec not decade, six years Seven years? I'm bad at math. Holy shit. But like, we ain't leaving for a long time and I'm sure they're going to make it a stipulation that it's a Portland-centric, you know, owner. And what you have to think about, and
0: it depends on how you're processing this information. Some people are, are already thinking about it. Some people still want to process what's happened and there's no right or wrong way to... Know grieve or handle what what just happened. I I think Blazer fans, you know, we're all part of a community. um, As long as you really root for the team, I mean, doesn't matter if you know this the Blazer fan next to you intimately or you've never met them in your life or you've high five random strangers. You all have a vested interest in one common thing, which is the Trailblazers, and this team. I think just means so much Mm -hmm. to the city and I think it reciprocates. And I don't think there are a lot of relationships like that with sports, their cities and and the actual teams and the fans. And um, I was reading, I believe it was a Forbes article and I think it was from two years ago. And the lease is through 2025. I think there's an early opt out clause in 2023, But but even then, I I would be very very stunned if anything were to happen. But how? And I guess you know we have to do our own part. How? So moving on. Obviously, it was already going to be an emotional night. In other aspects, absolutely. You have one. You have a season opener. Two. You have the rival Lakers. Three. Of LeBron's Laker debut. And four, you have the game on TNT. TV, yeah. and, and five, you have, what, a 17-year home opener winning streak on the line? And we're going to add the passing of the team's owner. Sage, it might be one of the most emotional nights ever in the history of, of the Rose Garden.
1: Oh, it absolutely will be, man. Like, all of those circumstances adding up. And I think the the there's only two real ways this game will end. I think it's either a blowout on each end. Like, either the team, you know, has that chemistry and has that, like, okay, we gotta do it for Paul Allen type of thing, or it's just too much and we get blown out by 30. Like, I don't see many other ways that that happens. It's either you aren't, we aren't losing, or we aren't winning type of, type of vibe. Um, one last, well. What do you, do you think they'll be able to get the jerseys and stuff ready to pay homage to Paul by Thursday? Yeah. And do you think they'll do like a little patch on the the shoulder under, over the BioFreeze logo or something like that?
0: Yeah, I'm sure they'll be able to figure something out. I think I remember when, it was either when Duck, no, Duck passed away in August, so there was plenty of time to get, to get a patch. I think Luke, Luke passed around Halloween, um and they had that patch pretty quick i mean they're not selling the patch or they're not selling the jerseys with the patch they really just need 12 to 15 patches sewn on so i i don't think it's going to take them quite a bit of time it's not something that you know really needs to be a and this is not to be rude a, a thought out design i mean you only have so much space Uh, I I know what I was thinking about. It was when Dr. Jack passed away during the 2014 playoffs. They got that patch up real quick. So, uh, I mean, with the game Thursday, it's it's Monday night as we're recording. That gives them over 48 hours to to figure something else out, um, which I'm certain they will. And then one other thing that we haven't really discussed, and it is in no – It's not meant to have any disrespect to, to, to Paul. But looking at the next owners of the Trailblazers, and this is why I said we were very fortunate to have him as an owner, we will be very lucky if we... If we get someone who's willing to spend money, I mean, you get owners out there who, who want to sell draft picks. You get owners who won't go into the luxury tax. Who won't even, you know, they hit a certain tax level or they hit a certain level in the salary cap, they're not going to make moves. I mean, so there is so much more to the game than than coaching, than players. I mean, this is a huge element of the it game. It is
1: a huge organizational thing that is just lost now. You look at the Oakland A's
0: and we've seen the money ball and we've seen what Billy Bean had to do. It's because ownership mm-hmm. wouldn't pay for shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, this is a, obviously some, a person's life was lost, but if we're this is a blazer podcast, so we're going to look at it through a blazers lens. This is a catastrophic, a humongous loss for the trailblazers for everything that he's done. And how he let his GMs just run the show. It's, it is, I, I would say, I don't believe the team will move, but what I'm more worried about is whatever owner comes in, how are they going to run that, that show? Mm-hmm. Because that can severely constrict what the coaches can do. What the management can do to get new players And and pay them I mean we don't want to just Oh we draft the next Damian Lillard Oh sorry five years your contract's not rookie Cost controlled we're going to have to let you go bud Um, We just can't afford you Like I know there's a a minimum salary cap That all NBA teams must adhere to But traditionally the ones at the bottom end Of
1: that are the ones Looking up the ladder at the top teams Absolutely But you can look at it another way I mean Obviously, Paul had, you know, deep, deep feelings about, you know, certain players and was willing to shell out massive amounts of contracts, even though they don't really deserve it. You could think of, like, new blood coming in, and hopefully they're willing to spend when there's a chance at winning. But now that this culture change has happened, we can get rid of some of those toxic-ass contracts. I mean, I don't, you know, that it's kind of... uh, a weak argument to say, but I'm trying to think positively about that type of the situation.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, two things. One, I would rather have an owner that's willing to overspend than underspend. Just like a a player. You'd rather have someone that you have to tone down their energy rather than try and pump them up to play. Mm -hmm. And then the second, the GM should also be able to say, okay, this really isn't a good deal. We need to not do this. So I think it goes goes hand in hand. Um, but, you know, I, I think we've seen throughout the past couple off seasons, Paul was already trending in that direction of, okay, we made some bad decisions. Let's, you know, unless it's really going to, quote, unquote, move the needle, probably sure. dial back a bit. Yeah. So I think we've already been witness to that, but. You know, any other thoughts on that, Sage? I felt like I kind of went through. No,
1: it's more of your soul. shit than it's yours. More of your shit than it is mine. It's just you know, we as you know, broadcasters kind of had this like hope and prayer of like big changes in movement this off se- this this season. I think that isn't going to happen at all. I think we're going to stay very status quo with Neil and. And Terry this this season and probably next, which is a kind of a bummer, but it's kind of what needs to happen. We need to have as much stability as possible as a franchise right this second.
0: It is strange because who's approving trades?
1: I bet the Vulcan Group will for a while. I mean like it, it that was his that was his business and I have a feeling for at least this next year. It's gonna be a very weird chain of command, with in regards to uh, trades, signings, any of that stuff. And honestly, I have a lot of experience, you know, not having the right type of ownership <laughs> as a fan, as as someone who can describe what's going on. I have a, I have an advantage over a lot of these Portland people because, you know, I rooted for a team that, you know, was owned by the NBA for a season. Um, but I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, like, steps in the command structure of how, you know, if we were to sign a Jarrett Jack or a, a some someone like that, tear, uh, Neil would send it up a ladder, up, up, and then it would get approved, and then Neil would have permission to, to make that move. If I was to guess.
0: And so we look at this season, though, first with a lot of uncertainties. If you were to say that, you know, we are like, in a way, we're like the Oregon Ducks, the football program who for about 30 years, they kept everything in the family. You know, whether head coaches may have changed very infrequently, a lot of the assistants stayed on for 28, 30 years. And all of a sudden, things kind of hit the fan and there was major changes and then they've had couple of years rebuilding and now they finally feel like they're back on their feet but that's kind of what it feels like in a sense we've had that 30 year rock where you know where your paychecks are coming from you know what to expect out of your boss you know what to expect each off-season, and what you're you know looking to accomplish you're aligned on the same goals and vision now all of a sudden you got to find someone else and rework everything And so this season takes on an even new layer of complexities and importance because what I mean, I'm trying to think if if you're a potential buyer, obviously you do your research and you don't want to be, I guess, have too much of a recency bias. But at the same time, I don't know many people knocking down the doors, let's say, Port only wins 20 games this year. So, I mean, there's a lot of importance on this season. And I honestly think Portland needs even more so now than ever to get off to a quick start. They have to utilize I, – I would say they have to use this event as motivation. And they have to use what happened today as a means to to kind of honor, honor Paul. And because this was a big blow. And if you start out the season slow – one, our bench is already a liability Two, the Western conference is as loaded as, as always. And three, it's, it's hard to play catch up, especially with, with the schedule that Portland has, um, the second half of the season and especially considering how, how deep our division is specifically, you know, you play your division opponents four times a season and the Northwest division far and away is the most difficult. So if you, start digging your hole deep early, there's a good chance you're not going to get out in time. So that's why I believe this stretch to open up the season, you get three games at home is so important for Portland to take care of business. I mean, we've already discussed how emotional it, it is going to be Thursday night. What, how do you see this game playing out Sage? Do you think they let their emotions get to them and they, they lose focus I mean, it's kind of an inhumane thing to to talk about saying, you know, you just lost someone who you might have been close to. Now you go focus on a basketball game. But at the end of the day, that's probably what Paul would want them to do. And you know, it, it is their job and it is their passion. So you really do have to focus. Do you see them? How how do you see the, the shaking out? Do you see this maybe playing in their favor or another hurdle that they have to that they
1: have to? You um, know, if. if- we didn't have a leader like Damien. I would, uh, it, it, we're losing that game. But I think Damien is the one person that you can look at and be like, mo- you gotta motivate these troops to, to play this game and win. And win it for Paul. And I think he is the type of guy that is talented enough and good as a good enough leader to pull these guys together in a very, you know, hard period in the franchise history and get them that win. And I think it is important. You know the the streak is whatever, but this is the first game of the season. You know Paul just died. There's they really need to get this win.
0: On the Lakers, they obviously brought in Rondo, Stevenson, McGee, players who a little wacko. I I would say you know I, mm. I think they they've been inconsistent in their. And their mentalities. Um, they've all had their run-ins with with either other players or other coaches.
1: Poor LeBron James.
0: <laughs> and you know you have Lonzo Ball coming off of that knee surgery, which kept him out uh, after March. Uh, you have a team that is going to really push the pace if preseason was any indication. And you've got a lot of young talent. You know, I would argue this is not one of LeBron's strongest rosters, but there's something to be said for youthfulness and enthusiasm and I think he really injected a lot of that into into the Lakers, which is you know unfortunate as as, as a blazer fan, but um, LeBron looks happy man. Like for the first time in a long time, he looks happy to be out of Cleveland and I can tell his family's happy that I bet that decision was based 100% on his family to go to Los Angeles, they are going to be a dangerous team. My my hope is that because it's the first game that they're rusty. If you all remember when LeBron joined the the Heatles in the summer of of 2010, that team was really slow out of the gate. And Portland by all intents and purposes really is only looking to replace their small forward in the starting lineup. They have a lot of continuity. They're at home. They're in front of their fans. My only hope is that the Lakers are rusty.
1: I think, I mean, you mentioned him first name outside of LeBron. I think Rondo is going to look really good this game because I mean, Rondo's a slight guy. Blazers don't really have a guy that can punish him still. They still don't. And you saw what Rondo could do on national TV you know, he loves stepping up for those primetime games. There's not a guard on this team that can punish him. I think Rondo is gonna go crazy this game.
0: Really? It's not the playoffs though. I feel like he only plays more. N- nah,
1: national T V games too, buddy. He 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 goes ham on those. But yeah, playoffs. Playoff Rondo's playoff rondo and uh primetime rondo are a very similar beast. But then the Blazers just don't have that that tough Wesley Matthews type of guard that will bully him. So he's going to run free. And that's what scares me. I mean, LeBron's LeBron and he's going to be consistent. I think Rondo is going to be the X factor in this game. See, I think the X factor is going to be Nurkic. He has looked fantastic
0: this preseason. And to be quite honest, he destroyed the Lakers in that first game. Uh, We played, I believe, on November 5th when Dame hit that game winner. Um... I don't see anybody on their roster who is going
1: to to challenge Nurk.
0: If Portland is smart, they will slow this
1: bad boy down. They it's will gonna not... be tough though, man. With how much you know, there's that 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 oh they're gonna run fast, we're gonna run fast right back at them type of mentality. And I don't think we can afford that. We got to end possessions and be slow. You
0: gotta be disciplined. You gotta take advantage of your home court. And look. Their centers are, are Zubak, JaVale McGee, and Mortiz Wagner, the, cent- the, the rookie from Michigan. If Portland was smart, they would pound the ball inside to Nurk, get them in foul trouble. What does Portland have a plethora of? Shooters. You go to Nurk, you force them to double, you either cut to the hoop or you kick it out to your shooters. That's one thing that I've been very impressed with. This season is the amount of shooters that that we have. And if you get them open looks, they're going to knock them down. So that's why Nurkic is my X factor. We know Dame plays the Lakers better than any other team in the NBA. Bless his heart. I fully expect Dame to have a monster night. But for Portland to win, we need Nurkic to have a Nurk fever type of game. Like, I think moving forward, that's how we'll kind of define uh, whether Nurk really came to show out or not. Was it a, did it pass? Did, did you get nurk fever watching that? If you're like, yeah, I'm falling back in love with this bad boy. Uh, then the answer is yes. Are you following? Um, is it nurk fever again for you? If he shows out because he's looked fantastic defensively and there is not a, a big on this roster. That's going to hurt Portland for having Nurkic on the floor on the defensive end. They don't have Brooke Lopez anymore to stretch that floor.
1: Hmm. I don't know, man. I I think that that is it. But they have, I mean, they have LeBron James, and who do we have to guard LeBron James? But chief on
0: him, LeBron in Portland has never really been a problem. Portland plays LeBron actually really well.
1: But we've only played him like twice a year. We got him three. The or The numbers four times. don't
0: lie. The numbers uh-huh. don't lie. All uh-huh.
1: right. We shall see.
0: I mean, if you want to play that i mean as much as chief annoys me and makes me want to pull my hair out at times he is a versatile defender who can handle the Paul Georges the LeBron James the Carmelo Anthonys of the world better than anybody else can is he going to stop them no. no but is he going to do a damn good job yes and uh-huh. that's really all you can ask and quite frankly if LeBron's shooting the ball the majority of the times portland is going to win this game LeBron, in a lot of ways, is like Magic. He impacts the game with the pass, and if he gets his his role players and his shooters open, and they start clicking, and then then LeBron, LeBron can turn on anytime he wants. Then LeBron gets going. Then Portland's in trouble. The recipe to beat the Lakers, in my opinion, beat them in the paint. Portland needs to just obliterate them in the paint and make LeBron the primary option on offense force him to shoot the ball 20 25 times that on Thursday night.
1: So are we are you predicting a win or a loss in this very this potential emotional last game? Win, All we right. don't lose. Okay. I think I I I I think the Blazers are going to win as well. They just they just can't lose now.
0: I mean, I really think we are going to win. We've beaten the Lakers god knows how many times in a row now and the one player I, I would say to watch if you're um, a Blazer fan is Kyle Kuzma because he does have the ability, like a Nico Miritich, to stretch that floor. And he can get very hot. Um, you know LeBron's going to do what, what LeBron does, but um, got to watch Kuzma. And Nurk's gotta eat. I think Dame Dame's gonna Dame's gonna be fantastic. We, we we know Dame. Do not take Dame for granted, but Dame does fantastic
1: against the Lakers. I just think this is a game that, that like you said, Dame will not let us lose. Alright. And the next game is the Spurs. And I've read somewhere that they're gonna make Patty Mills come off the bench. So who is their starting point guard? Well, Tony Parker left for Charlotte. Yup.
0: DeJounte Murray is out for the season with a torn ACL. Yup. Derek White did something to his... Heel. Heel, which is out basically two, two months.
1: Is Bryn Forbes still on the roster? He might be, but he's more of a shooter, not a playmaker.
0: I have no clue. Manny Ginobili retired...
1: Lonnie Walker's hurt, too.
0: Looking at their depth chart, they do not have another designated point guard that is healthy, other than Patty Mills.
1: I mean, that's just the advantage right there, man. Damon and CJ are going to eat, eat, eat. Like, that team isn't talented in, like compared to, like, other spurs teams this team isn't talented so the way that they're gonna win games is by like extreme teamwork but they don't have a guide to set everybody up like i think i think this is the year you can actually say spurs probably won't make the playoffs and i think for portland
0: they need to take advantage like you said of of that of that point guard situation because Dame should not face a defender that's going to give him problems. DeJounte Murray, I believe, was second-team all-NBA defense last year. And we know Patty Mills is is not known for his defense, and, and neither is DeMar DeRozan. So I don't see who they can throw out there that's going to slow down Dame or CJ. And I think those guys are going to be enough to power Portland past San Antonio and again I, I think this is another game where we could see Nurkic really continue his his projection his trajectory over from the preseason. Pau Gasol is really a shell of mm-hmm. his former self. He's not a, a rim protector. He's not a really great defender. So if Nurk can just take his time and you know I would love to put Pau in a lot of pick and roll situations and make him move laterally I think Portland can can win this game if, if they dominate the paint and they have a lot of assists. Portland was the league's worst assist team in 2017-2018. Um, over their last three preseason games, they, I believe, had at least 22 or 23 every night. The Spurs are a team that's going to play a lot of ISO ball. They have probably three of the most ISO-heavy players in NBA history in LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, and DeMar DeRozan. So, could portland lose if those guys get hot yes
1: absolutely but
0: it's it's more sustainable if you're moving the ball you're you're getting a lot of your teammates involved and and you're making the spurs play defense this is an older spurs roster
1: uh and a lot of new moving parts too like demar derozan is now on the team there's no way that they have the 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 years together where they can rotate as, as well as they did in the past, just because everybody knew everybody, like, on those Spurs teams. Now it's new moving parts that may or may not be talented, but they don't have that chemistry where they know implicitly where they're gonna be defensively on that rotation. So if the Blazers do, in fact, move the ball around, they're gonna find holes in that Spurs defense just because they, the Spurs haven't been there for that long of a, a stretch together.
0: And I think if, if you're Portland two things to to keep in mind one do not leave Marco Bellinelli open that dude still kills the Blazers regardless of how, how old he is um and, and second double team LaMarcus we've That's watched a tough one though that we've watched him in Portland for nine years he gets shook when a double gets sent his way he is not a reliable passer out of that double team and I wouldn't double him right away, but if he starts to cook a bit, which he can. Absolutely. He's He's used to
1: them rims too. Oh,
0: for sure. But it doesn't have to be a consistent double. Double from the weak side, the strong side, the back side, multiple defenders. Make him think. Really make him think out there because I've seen this dude play for nine years. He does not like being doubled. Some, Some big man relish in it. He does not. Make his life miserable, and I think Portland... Um, I think Portland goes to two and zero on the season. I, I think they might even win this one by double digits. What do you What you think? I, I think
1: the Blazers also win this game, and then the next game is versus the WizKids Kids of Washington D.C. with their new acquisition Dwight Howard. Are you afraid of Dwight Howard going uh, all beast mode and shooting it from the far from the corner three, like he said he was adding the three point shot to his game?
0: Has Dwight Howard went beast mode since the finals
1: in two thousand nine? He I mean, did. Well, he put up really nice stats last year when he was the only uh, post player on the Hornets. But not beast mode, no,
0: no. So he he is not. He's a name, you know. We've discussed. He he's a name that people remember and maybe hang on to for you know what they've done in the past. Current Dwight Howard may as well be Myers Leonard, and <laughs> whew, he's he's at. He's, he's just, he does not worry me. You know, you do not lose any sleep at night. I think Nurk is going to box his ass out. I think if they want to dump it into Dwight and, and let him go to work one on one, be my guess. That is
1: the best thing that could happen to the Blazers on that given possession. Have Dwight go to work in the post against our, any of our players, really. I mean, I'd rather have Dwight try and get 30 than John Wall or Brad Beal. Oh, shit, go for it, Brad, Dwight. Brad
0: Beal is the player to watch. He set an arena record for an opponent last year. I think he got 51 against Portland, and they beat us without John Wall.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it, wasn't this, it Timmy F running point?
0: Yeah, this <laughs> this is a team that keep your eye on because they could lose – to the Phoenix Suns, but they could also beat the Golden State Warriors. They've Absolutely. got, you know, got your shot ready. They got a lot of high variance players.
1: Hell yeah! <laughs> because they
0: they actually scare me quite a bit. I think Austin Rivers was a sneaky good acquisition mm-hmm. as as a backup point guard. He's out of his his father's shadow. Um, John Wall, I think, has a lot to prove this year. He's kind of fallen off the radar when you talk about top five point guards. Yeah, I think Dame <laughs> took
1: his spot in like the national like media's eyes.
0: And they have a lot of versatile forwards. You got Porter Jr. You got Kelly Oubre Jr., Markeith Morris. Um, They can throw some lineups out there that I think could give Portland problems. So I actually really want to see them play Dwight Howard because we can play Nurkic against Howard. If they go small, Portland could be, Portland could run into some issues. Like this game, this game worries me almost as much as the Lakers game because we traditionally do not play well against that wall Beal backcourt. If you remember last year, obviously Beal led them to the victory with that wall in Portland. But Portland, you had to erase something like a 17-point deficit in the third quarter. Um, it was a crazy comeback to beat them in, in D.C. So <sighs> games against the Wizards are always weird in Portland. Yeah, there
1: that, a, it's usually a pick em.
0: Yeah, there was that game a couple years ago when I think – Markeith Morris stepped out of bounds yes, on the yeah, winning shot yep. and didn't call it. It's weird. Um, what are your keys for success against the Wizards? I think,
1: you know, the that narrative of, like, two of the best uh, backcourts going at each other, I think the Blazers have to prove that they have the better backcourt. And I think they do, but Wizards have a deeper backcourt. Uh guy to watch out for that's a no-name is thomas satyrowski he's a chech basketball player and their backup point guard he might give our guys fits because he's like a 6-6 point guard but i think really it's dame and cj and nurk establishing why they are the three best players in the matchups to me i think this game comes down
0: to the forwards um for all intended purposes, I think the backcourts may wash each other out, just because of how how similar and pretty equal they are. But can Jake Layman continue his hot streak from the preseason? Is Mo Harkless going to play? I I would doubt it. I would not bet on Harkless playing this this first home stand. Um, would love to be wrong, but just a hunch. And all the setbacks he's continued to to face. Um, I would say that's a less than a 50-50 chance. So you're relying back on Jake Lehman, and then you've got Al Farouk Aminu, who's, who's going to have to play a lot against Morris,
1: Ubre, and Porter. Um, I mean, Seth Curry's going to have to play a lot of three.
0: Yes. Can, can Portland get away going small? I, I think you nailed it right on the head. If Portland doesn't get punished for going small, if they can rebound and spread the floor and not give up second-chance opportunities, mm. especially in the paint... That's that's the key to the game right there, because well, Portland is going to have to go small. They will have to go small to beat the Wizards. I think they're going to start with big Dwight Howard. I think Nurk's going to have a good night, and I think Scott Brooks is going to have to adjust, and he's going to go small. Portland's small lineup must be better than Washington's.
1: Well, do you, are you scared of an Otto Porter posting up Seth Curry every possession and getting two? It has less to, has less to do with that
0: exact example and more to do with there's an offensive rebound that we need to grab and we're giving up seven inches every single time down the court or, um, it just size just, it, it does it matters. matter. It doesn't matter in basketball. I mean, you look at the heat and the, the, the Spurs in the 2013 finals, Tim Duncan was not on the floor in game six on that last possession. They didn't have enough size. Who gets the offensive rebound? Who kicks it out? Who makes the three? Miami. They were the bigger team on the court. Like We've talked about Ed Davis ad nauseum over the past few podcasts because of his rebounding prowess and how it kept Portland in games, those second chance opportunities. Those are demoralizing. And you do give those up when you go small. That is one of the big disadvantages of going small is you can get killed on the boards. So it's really up to everyone boxing their own man out. And, yeah, I do think Otto Porter can, you know, these are NBA players. Like, does, is he known for his back-to-the-basket game? No, but
1: if you post him up, he can probably just turn around and just maybe shoot a little jump <laughs> shot right over it, them. So you talk about rebounding, and, I mean, that was what we were most successful at last year. Do you think Nurk gets 10 boards a game? Because he wants that expanded role. For the Blazers I, to succeed, he needs to get boards. Do you think he's getting boards this year? I
0: would focus less on the actual number he averages and more on the eye test. And I look back at Robin Lopez. He was our best rebounder of that era, but he didn't average a lot. He just boxed out he, boxed, three, that, eh. he boxed out two to three guys at a time and He did a lot of tap outs. I've seen Nurk tap out a lot this preseason, eh. which is fantastic. Doesn't go in the stat column as a rebound. But it really should. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pin his entire success okay. on a number.
1: You Let gotta... me rephrase it then. Do you think he passes the eye test rebounding wise 65% of the time? 65% of the games? Based upon what I've seen in the preseason, absolutely. What about in the past few years? <sighs> Last year, definitely no. Okay. He looks, he looks, he, he looks, looks more motivated. He absolutely does. But you know, there's that, there's that bit of him that still can be very immature and lackadaisical. And we kind of need him to be laser focused with at least rebound or being, you know, winning the eye test of rebounding. So this, I think that's the big thing. Maybe not focus on the numbers like you said, but. He has to be working.
0: What do you think? Do you think Portland goes 3-0? This
1: this one is the one that worries me the most. Because of, you know, there are players on that team, that Wizards team, that can ball. Huh? It's at home, right? You're going to this game? Okay, the Wizards lose.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, be at the first, I'll be at the first three games. I honestly think Portland has to win all three. They are all three winnable games. We have to protect the home court much better than last year. We've talked about this. The Western Conference is tough. You cannot lose to teams, especially from the Eastern Conference, on your home floor. Um, there, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, If, if it takes game scoring 40-45, so be it. But again, I really think... Portland is going to have to be able to win going small, and I think they're going to have to defend the three-point arc
1: um, because that's where the Wizards—that's where they beat you. Mm-hmm. So we both think three and zero. Hopefully, we're both right. Do you have any? Do we have fan? Quest? I know this was a very spur of the moment thing. Um, I just want to say rest in peace to Paul Allen, and you know great vibes and good thoughts to his family and uh you know fastball season's upon us today yeah. you know we're recording at 10:30 p.m. on a monday you know the season's here right now if well, we're well, on the well, east coast if we're on the east coast season's here right now basketball doesn't start till 7:30 on thursday okay fair enough um you know thank you for listening and uh shit we out here
0: Yep. Yeah. Once again, thank you Mr. Allen for, you know, being the owner for 30 years and thoughts, you know, like Sage said, good vibes to to you, your your friends and your family and, you know, thank you for everything and let's 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 win one for you, bud. Yeah, man.
1: Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shineley. Good night everybody. Let's